All right, so the UFC returned to the O2 Arena in London on Saturday night, and I don't feel like I'm being unfair when I say that this was a bit of an anticlimax. Um, having said that, I do feel as though there are some interesting notes and stories coming out of the card on Saturday night, and that's what I want to focus on today. But before I do that, my name is Rahul J. Chan. This is the Battle Camp. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. So look... <clears throat> I feel like we all had high hopes for Saturday night, the UFC's return to London, considering how the first event this year went down. Like, that event just captured everything that is great about the sport. And we were hoping that the return visit would replicate some, if not all, of those feelings and emotions we had watching the first UFC card in London this year. And... I think if you could pick a way to encapsulate how the entire event felt by how the main event went down, the way that fight ended would be the perfect way to do it. Because the fight itself lasted a mere 15 seconds. But those 15 seconds were exciting. There was tension in the air. You could tell that both of these guys are at the top level of the heavyweight division. They were both aggressive. They were both attacking. They both looked like they were confident in winning the fight. And they both went out there to put it on each other, their opponent, right? But then, that's it. Fight's done. Over. Aspinall injured. And that feeling of being underwhelmed, that feeling of being a bit like, oh man, is that it? That was the feeling I was having throughout watching the card. Like, the first time around, I was excited about the fact that they're back in London. They're back in my hometown. The UFC are back. Even though I didn't get tickets. Like, I tried really, really hard to get tickets through the normal kind of, you know, ticket master, normal, normal websites. And then when I didn't get a ticket, um, they were so expensive on the secondary market. I just, I just, I just, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't justify spending three, four, five hundred pound uh, for a ticket to sit up in the, up in the gods, up in the cheap seats. Well, they should be cheap seats, but people just like, you know, people had tickets on for like four, five, six, seven, eight times the, the face value of them. Right. And then this time around, I noticed actually even going into the event, like I was excited about it being back in London but I didn't really make an exerted effort to get tickets. Like, I tried the first day, but then after that, I thought, like, these bots are going to swallow them all up again. Um, so I didn't really, like, have, um, get my hopes up about getting a ticket. Do you know what I mean? So when the fight night came, I was aware, obviously, that they were back in London. But I was more excited about watching fights at a reasonable time, not having to stay up till the early hours or not having to wake up three, four, five in the morning to watch the fights. You know what I mean? That's what I was more excited about. I kind of, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind that they're back in London like it was the first time around, right? So um, talking of the talking points, now we all know how the fight ended between Aspinall and Curtis Blades, but as, as the fight was going on for those 15 <laughs> seconds, I remember feeling a little bit of like anxiety on behalf of Tom Aspinall because Curtis Blades landed a couple of times. And I felt like, oh, you need to be careful here, mate. Ooh, that kind of looks like you're getting into a bit of a dangerous territory. Like, Tom Aspinall was really aggressive in those first few seconds. He came out kind of firing. 
Um, and Curtis Bays did too, and Curtis Bays landed. But all, Tom Aspinall landed, right? But I suppose because I wanted Tom Aspinall to win so much, I was kind of focusing on the danger that was firing back at him rather than the danger that he was firing at Curtis Blades. Now, um, I do feel for, for Aspinall, because this was like his opportunity to show that he's at the top top level of the, the heavyweight division, right, by beating someone like Curtis Blades. Uh, but this was also our opportunity just to see how far he's come along. And that opportunity got taken away from us. And now, obviously, he's going to be out now for six months, a year, or whatever, however long it's going to be. But that momentum that he had coming into this event, um, that's going to be stalled. And I don't know whether he'll be in the same spot that he was prior to this injury, right? So he's got some rebuilding to do. And I feel for him on that front because it looked as though he was really, really on a wave. And I also feel on the same note for Curtis Blades because... Curtis Blades, like I said in the preview video, is a guy that is um, has been at the top of the division for a number of years now. But he literally had nowhere near the profile that Tom Aspinall had coming into this event. He didn't have the, um, the momentum, is a word that I used earlier, but he just didn't have, a, a, he just didn't have, have the aura of a guy that's going to challenge for a title anytime soon. And by beating someone like Tom Aspinall, that would have given him some of that power back in, 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 the, in the division. And that opportunity got taken away from him as well, right? So all around, it's just a shame. Like, you, you saw in Curtis Blades' face, like, he was just so disappointed when the fight ended because he, he felt he was going to win this fight. And he didn't get a chance to prove it, unfortunately, for him. You know, and obviously you saw in Tom Aspinall's face just the pain and anguish that pff, it didn't end how he wanted it to end either. Um, one little nice note about these two guys is I saw a photo of both of them enjoying a nice cold pint in one of the hotel rooms. Well, when I say one of these, it's, it's more than likely going to be Tom Aspinall's because <laughs> he wasn't very mobile um, after that fight ended. And they were sat in a hotel room having a nice cold beer together. And um, I kind of like those post-fight pictures you see of two guys that have just fought each other, enjoying a drink together. So that was nice just for me personally. But it's a shame how that fight ended um a few other news and notes that i wanted to touch on quickly hermanson and chris curtis i i really didn't understand why chris curtis was so upset with hermanson like throughout the fight he was just showing how frustrated he was with hermanson's movement like i i never understand when a fighter gets angry at an opponent for using the space in the octagon like you're in a confined space right everyone knows that the octagon is going to be this size on fight night and Hermanson used the space to his, to his advantage and he outstruck Chris Curtis. And that was supposed to be Chris Curtis's domain going into this fight. He was supposed to be the better striker. And Chris Curtis struggled to cut, cut off the cage and the octagon. And he struggled to strike with Hermanson. He struggled with Hermanson's movement. And... He his reaction after the fight by just sticking fingers up at Hermanson as he was in, in in the octagon, not being very kind of gentlemanly after the fight had finished, etc. Um, I don't really. I mean, I haven't seen much of Chris Curtis. Obviously, I've been aware of him, and I, I and I know there's a bit of kind of hype around him by because of the year that he's had. Um, but off the back of that performance. I can't really see his level growing much higher than he currently is. Like, he didn't do anything to make me think, bloody hell, this guy's a problem, you know? 
And I think that was half the problem that he felt that he that he just didn't have the answers to the questions that Hermanson was posing. And the way he reacted to me wasn't the right way in reacting. Um, before I talk about Paddy Pimlet and Molly McCann, because to me they're, they're, they're kind of one of the same, I want to talk about the other two fights on the main card, Alexander Gustafsson against Krilov. Um, now, I, I said in my previous video about Gustafsson that this would be a, um, a real... This would be a good gauge of how far over or how close to the top of the hill um, Gustafsson is at the peak of his own hill. And I think in terms of offensively, um, in terms of his own kind of athletic ability, I don't know whether Gustafsson is that far off his best. But it just feels as though if you if you land if you land Gustafsson's going to be hurt <clears throat> and losing like that to Krilov is something that would never have happened in a million years 5 6 7 8 years ago and Gustafsson isn't an especially old light heavyweight but to me, it just feels as though his chin just isn't what it used to be because he was able to eat shots like that prior, you know? The only time that I saw him get dealt with in that way was when he fought um, Johnson in uh, Sweden. So when was that? Let me just quickly check. Uh, fucking hell, he's got a long Wikipedia page. So Anthony Johnson, that was in 2015. So that was the only time I've seen him get really, really dealt with in terms of um, just like a just getting hurt by it by one shot, you know. And he's fought real kind of heavy hitters prior to that, and he's come through the the other end. Now, look, to me, like I said, it doesn't feel as though he's far off his peak when it comes to his own offensive ability, his own athleticism but it may be that it's a mixture of him slowing down a touch and his chin not being as good as it once was which is effectively a recipe for disaster for him um i've seen a lot of people come out and say that they think he should retire um which is a fair comment because he just wasn't losing to this level of competition previously um, but he does need to sit down and have a think about what he wants to do next, man. Um, we've seen fighters like I've seen I've seen fighters go through tough moments in their career like this, and everyone's talking about how they should retire, and they don't, and they come back. Maybe not at the level that they once were, but they come back and remain competitive, high level athletes like Alistair Overeem. He lost two or three by finish um, post Brock Lesnar victory. Um, Arlovsky went through a period of losing three or four in a row and he's still fucking going. So there, there are fighters that have had bad patches, bad moments and still come back and been competitive and, and fought at the highest level. But it's all just down to now Gustafsson. Like, what does he want to do? Does he just want to compete or does he only want to compete if he has a um, realistic chance to win the belt? Because off the back of his most recent performances, it doesn't seem as though he has a realistic chance to be champion again. 
Um, speaking of being champion in the light heavyweight division, um, I feel really stupid now because uh, prior to that Ozdemir Paul Craig fight, I said to I said in my preview video, I don't know why no one's talking about Paul Paul Craig being a potential, being being in and amongst title contenders. I didn't say he should be fighting for the title. I didn't say he should be the number one contender. I did say that. Why is he not in the conversation? That's what I said. And that performance on um, on Saturday um, gave me all the answers I needed, to be honest with you, because he is a throwback fighter in the sense that he has a an area in the octagon where he is most comfortable, and that's on his back with his legs wrapped around his opponent. Anything apart from that, he struggles, and it showed, man, on the feet, there was such a gulf of difference in talent between Ozdemir and Paul Craig. There was moments in that fight that were quite uncomfortable to watch, right? Because you could just see that, fuck, like, you could just, you could just see that one guy is a striker and the other guy just, 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 just isn't, right? It wasn't even a, a striker visa grappler striker. It was literally a striker visa grappler and a grappler using strikes to try to close it. Like, but the strikes that he was throwing, it just felt as though, uh, what's the right way of saying amateur without using the word amateur? Because that's what I'm thinking, right? <clears throat> Comfortable victory for Ozdemir. Um, and it's a victory that Ozdemir needed. Like, look, like Paul Craig beat Krilov. Right, Krilov is the guy that just beat Gustafsson. So Paul Craig did have decent names in his um in his CV, and Ozdemir um was very convincing, and he and and it was a it was an easy win for him. Um, now let's talk about Paddy Pimlet and Molly McCann because to me they're one and the same. They they they're like brother and sister, and they both, to be honest, putting them the two most, um the two most impressive, exciting performances of the evening. They, they stole the show again, right? So, look, cards on the table. I understand and I appreciate why Paddy Pimlet and Molly McCann's popularity has grown so much. I understand why people like Molly McCann and Paddy Pimlet. Um... Like, I will, I will put both of these two guys in the same same um, bracket that I put Sugar Sean O'Malley in, right? Because I remember saying about a year ago in a video that Sugar Sean is a guy that is very popular. People love him. Um, he seems to have a big old fan base. But I just don't get it. I, I don't get his humour. I don't get, you know... His generation almost. Um, and I think to me, Paddy Pimlet and Molly McCann, it's not that I don't get them. To me, they're just two like people from Liverpool. They're just two scousers. But I can see why th their way of talking, acting, the stuff that they get up to, um, I can see why it's fun for Americans because they're just not used to it. Does that make sense? Um... I suppose, like, look. Let's talk about Paddy Pimlet first, right? He put in a, he put in a, to me, he put in his best performance since he's been in the UFC. He never looked hurt, never looked phased. Um, Levitt tried to kind of 
wrestle him and Paddy Pimlet held his own. The way Paddy Pimlet set up the submission was good. The way he got the finish was very good. And it was a strong performance by Paddy Pimlet. Um, Molly McCann, again, exciting. Um, I had never heard of her opponent, but she put her away with ease. Never looked like she was ever in trouble throughout the fight. It only lasted a round, but she literally never looked like she was in trouble at all. And they both did the celebrations with a guy from Barstool. And, you know, there were fans in the in, in the crowd wearing the, wearing the Paddy Pimlet wigs and stuff like that. Like, it's good, man. It's I'm happy for both of them, right? I don't want to come across as a hater. Like, I'm happy that both of these guys seem to be earning a lot of money. you got Drake tweeting about them and stuff like that. That's a big deal, man. Like, you, you have to take your hats off to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just personally, like... I've never watched a Paddy Pimlet podcast, for example. Like there's a there's a there's a YouTube series, The Overlap, with Gary Neville, where he talks to different, you know, usually it's just footballers or ex footballers. Um, and he done one with Paddy Pimlet and Molly McCann, and it's come up on my feed a couple of times, and I just I haven't bothered to watch it. Like I don't know why. I I, I don't know what what it is. Like I just don't find them to overly entertaining outside the octagon having said that whenever they fight i'm fucking watching because i I know they're gonna have an exciting fight and usually for me it's the opposite like you get guys that i i I really kind of enjoy the interviews and stuff but i'm not really fussed about watching watching them fight a lot of the time but to me i don't know i just i just haven't really been drawn to them like everyone else seems to have been um, and maybe I'm just showing my age. Maybe I'm in my mid thirties and I don't really find their sense of humor entertaining. And I find it a little bit frustrating as well, man. I try to watch the, um, the post-fight press conference and just watching them, you know, watching Paddy just eat that sandwich and chew on the mic and stuff like that. And he's, you know, obviously he, he, he's earned that sandwich. It looked like a nice sandwich, but I don't want to sit there listening to a guy chew on the mic. It just... It just wasn't for me. Do you know what I mean? So I, I'm very like wary of coming across as a hater. I'm not a hater. It's just, it's just not, it's just not entertaining to me. In the octagon, yes, they're very entertaining. Just when they step out of it, it's just not my cup of tea. To be honest, maybe I'm just too boring. Maybe I. It's probably I am probably just boring. I am probably just the boring one. But that's how I feel, and I can't lie in it. But they did. They literally saved the show. Because without those two performances, this may have gone down as the most boring event in UFC history. It may have done. But, you know, and also Krilov as well, because he got the finish, although he was a bit like he was a bit of the the bad guy, really, because you could you could you could tell that the crowd were were well behind, well behind um, Gustafsson. Uh, quickly, a few other things that I quickly want to touch on. Mason Jones um, loses to Klein. Uh, Mason Jones has had a difficult start to his UFC career. Um, he was going to be the golden boy. Like uh, There was a lot of hype around Mason Jones when he got signed to the UFC. And um, that was a, like, Klein won all three rounds of that fight. And I fear for Mason Jones. And I fear whether... I, f- I fear whether... There's an account on um, on Twitter that literally just just tweets about when fighters get um, when fighters get let go by the UFC, and I fear that I'm going to open the Twitter app and Mason Jones's name is going to be there, 
one of these days. I hope not, but I mean, it might. Uh, Mark J. Casey just wrestled um, Hadzovic uh, for three rounds. Um, I saw a tweet from Mark J. Casey saying to Bisping, you know, let me get my confidence up and I'll start striking more again, uh, which I found quite interesting because on the commentary, that's what Michael Bisping was kind of focusing on, saying that, look, he's controlling the fight, but he needs to he needs to be more aggressive and let his hands go a little bit more. He's, he's controlling the wrestling, but he needs to he needs to try and hurt his opponent, not just hold his opponent. Um, Nathaniel Wood with a very, very, very good fight. Um, he just literally just beat up Charles Rosa for three rounds. I'm glad that Nathaniel Wood got that because, you know, <clears throat> over the last kind of year, year and a half, it feels as though UK MMA um, has been gaining more momentum. I keep using the word momentum, but it's it's the right word to use. Gaining more momentum. And a lot of the fighters coming out of the UK, especially with Paddy Pimlet and things like that, there's been more of a kind of spotlight on them. We've got, obviously, Leon Edwards getting a title shot. We've got Tom Aspinall doing what he did. We've got Darren Till, who's been in and around it for two, three years. And Nathaniel Wood was a name that was right up there at a point. And he seems to be, he seems to have drifted away. He's not in the, he's not in the conversation the same way some of these other guys are. And... I'm glad that Nathaniel Wood put in a com- put in a conversation, put in a performance um, to remind people what he's about, what he can do, because this was his uh, featherweight debut. He he was fighting at 135 pounds prior to this. Um, um, like Charles Rosa just wasn't at his level on the feet, right? So I'd be interested to see what Nathaniel Wood looks like against a a a better striker. Because my memory of him fighting at bantamweight uh, was he he'd get hit like he'd he'd be very he'd have his success but he'd definitely get hit in certain fights and John Dodson finished him um, at one hundred and thirty five pounds um, so obviously if you move up the guys are going to hit harder so um, I'm interested to see how he how he deals with that at uh, at featherweight. The other fight that I quickly want to talk about is Makayev against Charles Johnson. Um, again, look, Makayev, I, I spoke about quite glowingly in my preview video. I spoke about my expectations of him, and I feel as though he is genuinely a, a guy that can be champion. Um, and I'm not changing that opinion, but I am tapering my expectations of Makayev. Um, because in the first fight, he came out and he, to me, like, I haven't seen a lot of him to fight. If I'm honest with you guys, I haven't seen a lot of him. I've seen little clips here and there, but I haven't seen, you know, a lot of him fight at a high level. And then when he when he made his debut and he, he had that performance, and I forget the guy's name now. Uh, give me one second. Let me just double check this. Bear with me, caller. Uh, Cody Durden, that was it. Because it was within a minute, he landed a couple of strikes and then he got the submission. I felt as though his, like, he was just a, a new generation, perfect mixed martial artist, a guy that knew how to mix his grappling, wrestling with his strikes. And in this, in this fight against um, Curtis, he was a bit like, it was a bit like he was, he was just so focused on controlling 
he was just so focused on controlling uh, Charles Johnson that he he just didn't he neglected the rest of his game. He didn't he didn't strike the way I anticipated he would strike when he closed the distance. There was no like there was no he wasn't as active as I thought he would be. So maybe it was just a difficult opponent and maybe he didn't feel as though he had the the base to strike. Maybe he knew that if I try striking now, um I don't have full control of my opponent and he'll he'll be able to get himself out of this situation. So it turned out to be a bit of a a repetitive fight. It wasn't it wasn't as like it wasn't it didn't meet my expectations but I'm basing my expectations off of one fight that lasted a minute do you know what I mean and that isn't a big enough sample size to have realistic expectations so I feel as though I just got a bit carried away with Mikhaev, uh and clearly he is a genuine talent but he does have improving that he needs to do because <clears throat> um Winning fights in that manner that he did on Saturday isn't, to me, enough to warrant the the hype required to... Hype's the wrong word. Winning in that manner on a regular basis isn't enough to suggest that you're good enough to be champion now. And that's what I thought we were on the road to. This guy proving that he is good enough now. When I say now, I mean, you know, from now, like in a year's time, for example. And I feel like I need to taper those expectations. But all in all, yeah, a shitty event. <laughs> a shitty event. Um, and I mean that respectfully, man. Obviously, a lot of fighters put in really, you know, they they, they won. Like a lot of these British, how can I forget my guy, Jai Herbert? He won. He won. I was... I was worried in the first round, but he came back and he took initiative, took control, won the fight. And um, I like, like us, like us, like out of the UK guys, Jai Herbert is one of my favorite fighters. So, you know, I'm glad that he won. But look, I've gone on for nearly half an hour and I'm not even, I'm not Jack Slack. Do you know what I mean? Like Jack Slack at least gives you technical breakdowns. I just give you feelings and emotions. Uh, but um, yeah, that's my kind of big takeaways from Saturday night. Um, put your comments below. Let me know what you guys think about the stuff that I've said. Feel free to share your own opinions, anything that I've missed, anything that you feel needs to be brought to my attention, please feel free to share. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe and like and follow my Instagram and Twitter and all of that stuff. It's all the battle camp everywhere. And we'll catch up on the next one.